Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. I never take it lightly or for granted when somebody gives me their platform to speak into the lives of the people that they pastor. So I just want to honor your pastors for giving me this opportunity. It's a, it's a real honor and privilege to be here. And you know, really what a platform this is. As far as I'm concerned, and as far as many people are concerned, this church is one of the stalwarts of the contemporary church in Scotland. You guys have an amazing heritage. You have a great foundation to build on. And it, as I say, just an honor to be here. So thank you. Now, I actually used to travel through Dunfermline maybe two or three times a week back when I was younger and had a whole lot more hair than I do now. Aaron sympathizes. You know, I actually used to play a little bit for East Fife back in the day. I know not quite on the same level as the Pars, but played a bit with them and then also played a bit of junior football with Loch Orr. So I've seen a fair bit of Fife in my time. I don't know. I'll leave it there. I've seen some interesting things. So a little bit about me and my journey. So I grew up in Dunblane. I am a pastor's kid but I never, ever wanted to be a pastor. People would say, you're going you're gonna to be a pastor. I was like, no, nah, not interested, not interested. I went down to London in 2005 just to, to go see the sights and work down there. And one friend, I knew a bunch of people in a small church, one friend had started going to Hillsong. I used to go there, and in this church of kind of 4,500 people at the time, there was people that would say, hey, we're going for coffee afterwards. Do you want to come out? The small church where I knew everybody, oh, no, we're too busy. So it was a pretty easy decision to plug in to Hillsong. Um, so I got involved, and it wasn't that long before I was kind of running a bunch of teams. And then I ended up on staff. Um, I was on staff for, for many years. And it was actually when I was in London that I, I met my got this working? No. No. There we go. There we go. There you go. Thanks. And so I met my wife, started a family. Um, we are a family of four. Okay. We are a family of four. The monkey is not with us, if you can see that. It's not the greatest of pictures, but there is a, a kind of little monkey just in the corner there. He's not here today. We left him at, left him at home. But I would say, and I've yet to go anywhere where this theory has been disproven, and that a pastor's wage is what it is. You're never going never gonna to be the, the multimillionaire as the pastor. So I think that God compensates you always by giving you a beautiful wife. And I, am, I, am, I have yet to see this theory disproved. And I'm quite happy to be the president of the Overachievers Club. I'm, I'm okay with that. So anyway, me and my wife and family, we moved back up to Scotland in 2017 because Hillsong Edinburgh were starting. We got asked if we would come up and help the couple that were, were running it. So I stepped off staff back into IT, had, a, had another baby, and, and we are where we are. And so really today, Aaron just asked if I would just share a little bit of some of the stuff that, that I've learned over the time down there that would be helpful for people, beneficial for people. At which point I asked him, 
how much time are you giving me? Is this a three-day long service? And he's told me, no, I've got 30 minutes, so don't worry, we're not, we're not going to be here too long. So in, in my time in London, I probably ran or led or inputted into pretty much every team in church life apart from anything to do with platform stuff. At one point, I even ran the main campus for all of Hillsong UK for five months in between campus pastors. So I've seen a little bit of stuff over the years, and hopefully you'll get a little bit of the heart of that. Um, And what we're going to talk about today is not Hillsong culture. It's not Australian culture. It's not London culture. I believe it's kingdom culture. I believe it's stuff that we can apply wherever we are. And so I've, I've called this today, I've called this, oh no, I'll come back to that. Oh, in fact, I've called this message Church 101 because it's the basics. One of the things I did at, uh, at Hillsong as well was, so this is Hillsong Conference at the O2, kind of 15, 20,000 people. So I would be responsible for all the teams that would help all those people get into that building. No one there's got an allocated seat, so we had to, to fill that building. So that's one of the, the other things that I did. So the whole kind of hosting and building fill and all that, that's my bag. I really, I really like that stuff as well. Now what I'm going to talk about today, these are values and things that I've heard time and time and time again in my time in Hillsong. And I'm sure you guys have as well, because I have looked on your website, I've seen your values and your beliefs, so I know you've heard some of this stuff. And none of this stuff is going to be complex. And I don't apologize for that. I actually think it's really good because it means it's actually achievable by us all. It's not something that requires lots of this or that. It's just kingdom principles that we can put into place. And it's not to say that Hillsong have got everything right. We absolutely don't. Not by a long way. I've been in there. I know what we do well, and I know what we don't do well. Um, And we're constantly, even as a church, people maybe kind of look to us for a little bit of guidance and stuff. We're constantly looking to other churches for guidance to God and, and His Word to, how can we make this better? How can we make it better? So before we get into it, I'm, I'm going to pray. So Heavenly Father, I just want to commit these next moments to you. Just ask that it will be your words that come through, Father. I ask that you will take this message and divide it up into however many ways and that you will speak to each person individually. Father, I'm believing that we will leave here different, that we will have caught a new, fresh glimpse of you, or maybe a a glimpse of your personality and character that we've not seen before, Father. Whatever, Father, we are just praying that we will leave here different because you are here, not because of anything a human will do, but because you are here today, Father. So, Lord, just have your way in these next few minutes in Jesus' name. So, I just very quickly want to touch on some of the things that I would say are the the Hillsong values I haven't put any of the the really obvious ones like the Bible and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all that, because for me, they're a given. They're a given. But these, just real quick, I would say are the things, some of the key values that we just adhere to. It's just, it's in our makeup. So we're cause-driven as a church, as every church should be. And all that means is it's all about making His name famous. 
I'm not going to go through these in a lot of detail. I'm going to focus on one. Each one of these we could spend an hour or more on, but we'll go through them real quick. So it's all about making his name famous and about seeing people come back into relationship with him. That is what everything that we do is all about. Community, such an important thing. It's one of the things that I really love about our kind of message in community is it's actually okay to belong before you believe. You're accepted as you are. Come and hang out with us. Get to know us. Be part of it. And it's okay if you don't believe at that point. Because what better place to be while you're figuring stuff out than amongst believers? So it's okay to belong and believe. There isn't a standard you have to meet to be part of church. And just be planted. Be planted in church. Don't be wishy-washy. Be planted. Excellence. Excellence is not perfection. Only God is perfect. If you aim for perfection, it will strangle you because you will never get there if you aim for perfection. Excellence, however, that is just something that glorifies God. It reflects who He is and His nature. It helps change people's mindsets about church and about God. Servanthood. Love this topic. Don't have time today for that, fortunately. But, you know, we're called to be Christ-like. Christ said, I came to serve, not to be served. And that is such a big thing. I think that's probably, I was going to say, one of our strengths as a church, but I, I, it's just one of the key things. Like, there's a real strong, everybody's involved, everybody's serving one way or the other. And generosity, big one, big one. You're called to be generous with your time. I think you're called to be generous with your finances, you're called to be generous with your words, your approachability, everything. It's just, it's a, it's a heart attitude. It's not an amount. It's not how many nice words I say or how much money I give. It's a heart attitude. It's a posture that we take. And you know, in different seasons, that will look different for you, and that's okay. That is okay for it to look different at different seasons. When you're single person, you might have more disposable cash, you might have more time, whatever. When you're married with kids, it's, it's a different, different ballgame. But there's still ways to be generous. And this next thing, I, I don't usually tell people things where I have been generous, because uh, that's it's not to know. But I'm going to share it today because I just think hopefully it'll be an encouragement to someone, even if it's one person. So please don't take this as a Oh, look at me. It's not done in that light. It's done in there. Hopefully this will, this will help. Um, when I was in London, I, I, could, I helped pay people's rent for the month when they were struggling. I, I'm not in a position to do that. But I am in a position to still be generous. And so you guys have got your 2080 challenge going on, which is an amazing thing. Last night, I bought a couple of your table covers for you. Not, not, a, not a great amount, but it's, it's something. You know, like it's, I, I hadn't even told Aaron that. Like I just, it's just a little thing because it's a heart attitude. Now usually I wouldn't have, but I'm, as soon as we're talking about it, I thought I would. And you know, even, even for you guys, like maybe as a life group, I'm sure you've thought of this, but hey, even as a life group, if you can't afford a table on your own, maybe you club together as a life group and 
and get one or, or something, or two. Who knows? It's not all about somebody really rich giving. It's not. It's about sacrifice. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. We all can make a sacrifice. Anyway, uh, legacy. We all play our part. If and when we move on from something, a team or whatever, whatever we were part of should be better than when we took it on. That's what we're all about. The next generation coming through. very conscious I've got lots to, to get through in half an hour to do it. Um, so I think one of the biggest challenges in today's day and age is people's perception of church. You look at the, the last census, I'm talking about the next one next year being the last one they ever do, but the last census had a really high percentage of people in this country would identify themselves as Christian. But when you look at the stats of the people who turn up to church, it's a really low percentage. There's a real disconnect there between people's perception of what they believe or say they identify with and their understanding of church. And that, I think, is one of the things we're called to change. I think people just need to have the right perspective. We need to have the right perspective. I'm sure you do. You're here on a Sunday. Fantastic. But often people think of church as boring and irrelevant. I don't agree. I wonder if people have ever heard church described like this. Imagine a place so irresistible that people can't wait to get there. Imagine a place so functional that no one ever wants to leave. Imagine a place where the atmosphere causes humanity to flourish. Imagine a place designed for no other reason than to connect you with a world beyond your wildest dreams. Such a place exists and has existed in the heart of God since before all time. That place is the church. That's what we get to be part of. That's what we're trying to create here. Heaven on earth. This next uh, passage is something that I've heard so many times. And I think it just helps create a good kind of reference point for church and its priority. And so you'll find this in Ephesians 1, 20 to 23 in the message. It says, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Because the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he acts and speaks, speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Church through which he speaks and acts and fills everything with his presence. What an amazing thought. But you know what? We are the church. It is through us that he does that. And we all have a part to play, big or small. And it will look different again in different seasons of your life. But there is always a part to play for you. Always. Always, always, always. So my question What part are you playing? 
What part are you playing? You know, even if it is just saying hello to someone on a Sunday morning that you don't know, that can be life-changing for someone. It might be nothing for you, but it can be life-changing. Who knows what kind of week they've had? Good week, bad week. If anyone's spoken to them, and if they have, if they've been nice, it can be a turnaround moment. What part are you playing? Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at just the right time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't just do it once. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Church is God's idea. It's the one thing he said he was going to build. It's amazing that we get to be part of this thing that God is doing. How do you know you're in God's will? You're in church. He wants to build church. That's what we get to be part of. And how does he do it? Well, I think this verse is is pretty key. So 1 Corinthians 3 says, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. So Paul planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow different roles for us, whether we're planting or watering, doesn't matter. How do we do each of those roles? Just by talking to people, by being salt and light, as it says in Matthew 5, by not being weird, ramming Christianity down people's throats, just by letting His love shine out of us, by inviting people to church. That's how we plant seeds, that's how we water, and then it's up to God to do the growing common thing. We do something, then God steps in. He blesses it. And you know, church is what it is because of the people in it. Church does what it does because of the people in it. You know, when I chat with pastors from all over, as I've had the privilege of doing, they all have the same challenge. All have the same challenge. They have a vision that is up here, but they do not have the people or the resources to get there. Always, always the same. What part are you playing in helping fulfill the vision of this church, helping fulfill the great commission that God gave us? Again, church does what it does because of the people in it. By show of hands, just real quick, how many people came to this church because they saw a social media advert or an advert in the paper? How many people came because somebody invited you? Someone asked you to come, someone told you about it? Amazing. And how many people just don't like putting their hands up in church? (laughs) You know, like, it's, it's telling. It is the personal invite that will get people to church. And you know, Hillsong can be known for its lights and its music, the the bells and smells, if you will. And, And while they're important, they may change someone's perception of church. They may initially attract them. It's not what keeps people. What keeps people in church is the people they interact with, the relationships that they form. That's what will keep people coming back in the good times 
and the bad times. That's what's important. Don't get me wrong, it's all important. Worship, delights, all that, it's important. But what will keep people is your relationship. And you know what? There's always room for one more. That's one of the things we say. There's always room for one more. Even when there isn't, there's always room for one more. Always, always, always. We're an inclusive clique. That's what we are. But you know what? That requires sacrifice. That requires stepping out of your comfort zone. It requires going the extra mile. It requires being inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. That's what it, that's what it takes. Are, are we prepared to do that? Are you prepared to do that? So this, this next statement, taken out of context, will sound really bad. So please, nobody soundbite this and, and do anything with it. I'll apologize in advance if this... Christianity is two-faced. No one soundbite that, please. And I'll explain what I mean, and then it won't seem so bad. There's two faces to it. When you are not a Christian, the face that you see of Christianity is, this is all about you. Christianity is all about you. It's all about you. Hey, come. Do. It's all about you. When you become a Christian, though, the face that you get to see is, <laughs> actually, Christianity is not about you. It is all about others. We are called to serve. We are called to go out and be soul winners. So it is two-faced, but in a good way, in a good way. This is all about other people. You know, because it is comfortable and easy to not talk to the person that you don't know. It's comfortable and easy to not have people over to your house for dinner. It is comfortable and easy to not call that person that you met last week and said you would call. That's actually my story in Hillsong. Trying to find my way in a church of four and a half thousand people. Met up with some guys. And they were like, hey, we're going to go out for a meal this week. Give me your number, I'll give you a call. I knew nobody. I've moved to London. I've got no support network. This is what I'm hanging out for. Get to go hang out with some guys. No call. I go sit in the same area of church. The following week, didn't see them again. It's like, oh, this sucks. But you know, when I did find my fit, I determined that no one that I interact with, with was going to have that experience. Like you might have had a great experience coming into church. Great. Give that to the people that come after you. If you had a bad one, make sure that the people coming after you have a good one. Comfortable. It's comfortable and easy not to run a life group. It's comfortable and easy not to even be in a life group. But comfortable will not change the world. Comfortable does not change the world. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, Comfortable does not change the world. Now turn to the person on the other side that you like a little less and tell them the same thing. So the challenge is, are you prepared to step out of your comfort zone for God, to see His purposes on earth advance? It's amazing what he will do in and through you when you're prepared to do that. 
Because you see, you and I as Christians, we are the visible image of the invisible God here on earth. That's what we are. And, you know, people lead people to Christ. Yes, the Holy Spirit works on them and all the rest, but it takes people to invite them. There are the miraculous, oh, I don't know, I just felt I had to come today. But in general, church is not like... Has anyone seen the movie The Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner? So, church is not like that. In it, the line is, build it and they will come. If that were the case with church... No church building would ever have to shut down because there are church buildings everywhere. But it's not. It requires the people to be bringing people. That's what will build church. So this, five minutes I have left, the, this next section, um, I like to call it the formation of the church. Some people call it the early church, but I think if we kind of call it the Early church, we can say, oh, well, that was relevant for them then, but it's not relevant now. But if we call it the formation of the church, then the principles that applied then can still apply today. And it's found in Acts 2, um, from kind of 42 to the end. So it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. There are a bunch of keys in there that I think we can take and apply today. And it's something that in Hillsong we just have stuck to. For as long as I've been there, I've heard this at team nights, I've heard it in sermons, I've heard it in leadership groups, I've heard it everywhere. So I'm going to run through them real quick. Um, so the first one is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, I think the fact you're here is a, is a, great, a great sign. Uh, I think it, it says you're, you're in, you're part of this. My pastor used to always tell us down in London, he says, you know your Bible opens more than just on a Sunday? It'll actually open on a Monday to Saturday as well. Okay, that's, that's a fair point, fair point. But what he was trying to say is let's be devoted to the teaching we get. Let's take the message we get on a Sunday. Take notes. Take notes. I mean, how many sermons do you hear in your lifetime? It's a lot. How many times do you write down what God said to you or the things you got from the sermon and go back over them and how can I apply it to my life so that my Monday to Saturday is different because I was in church today? The Israelites, when God did something, they used to create altars. So when they came back round, they would see it and go, ah, that's right, God did something. For me, that's what notes are. It's a chance to go back and go, ah, that's right, God said something. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship's a bit of an old-fashioned word. The dictionary calls it friendly relationship, companionship. 
an association of persons having similar tastes and interests. And so I think we're there on the association of persons having similar tastes and interests. That's why you're in a church. Our interest is God. But have we got the friendly relationship, the companionship? And that takes effort. As I said before, it takes being inconvenienced. It takes us being Christ-like. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and also to sharing meals. I think there's something intimate and vulnerable when you sit across the table from someone or you sit around a nice round table with someone and have some food. I really do. I think you just have to look. When you're getting to know someone, when you're dating, what do you do? You go for meals. You sit across the table and get to know them. There's just something special about it. So for us, in our life groups, we would always have some element of food. Um, but hey, maybe, maybe you don't like eating with people. Maybe you're one of those people that, uh, I don't know, eat with your mouth open or stuff gets stuck in your beard when you're eating, gentlemen. Um, or or maybe, maybe you're one of these people, and my granddad was the master at this. When he used to eat, we used to say you needed to have a raincoat on because he would just spray his food. So maybe that's why you don't like to eat with people, but I think it's something we need to devote ourselves to because that's what it says. They shared meals together. And then another thing they did is they met in the temple. They all came together. All these small groups came together. That's what this is today. That's when all the life groups come together. Because you could be a part of a life group and never come on a Sunday. But being part of this on a Sunday lets you see you're part of something bigger. It makes a statement to the world as well when we're all together. The bigger the gathering, the bigger the statement. And they met in homes. So, smaller gatherings, more intimate. A chance where the conversation goes beyond, hey, how you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good. Good week? Yeah, great. Classic church conversation. Classic. But when you're in a small group, that's not possible. That's the place where you get to process the highs and the lows of life, the good and the bad, where you share the joy and the laughter, the tears, the pain, the highs. That's what life groups are about. That's what these smaller gatherings in homes are about so, so important. And then the other thing is they looked after those in need. Stories in the, te- in the New Testament all the way through, Jesus was always looking after people that were in need. But here's the challenge. If you're in this room today and you're in need, who knows about it? If you're not in relationship with someone else, how's anyone going to know you're in need? So how can we meet that need? Church can't meet your need if they're not aware of it. That's why fellowship is important. That's why life groups are important, because church can't do that. You can't help someone if you don't know they need help. And you know, the Lord added to their fellowship. There needed to be fellowship there for the Lord to add to it. That's what needed to be there. Again, we do something, God does His bit. I think God sometimes might be sitting on. God might be sitting there going, I've got all these people that I want to send to church. 
which church am I going to send them to? Am I going to send them to the church where they'll walk in and nobody will notice them? Nobody will inconvenience themselves to get to know them and disciple them? Or am I going to send them to the church where people do notice the new person, where they go speak to them, where they will inconvenience themselves to go and disciple them? And one of the the translations, it says, in general, people liked what they saw. So for me, that tells me, you're not going to please everybody all the time, but what they were doing had a mass appeal. It wasn't niche. And people liked what they saw. And as a result, they wanted to be involved. Um, Yeah, I mean, when people look at us as Christians, us as a church, do they like what they see or do they not? Often Christians are known for what we're against rather than what we're for. And I think that's really sad. Often people see Christians as people they want to avoid rather than be around. I think we need to be those people that people want to be around. I'll finish up real quick. So church, I believe, is like a coin. Two sides. If you're missing one side of that coin, you're missing the full value of that coin. The two sides of church, there is Sunday and there is midweek. If you are not involved in one part of that, obviously you're involved in Sunday because you're here, but if you're not involved in the midweek, then I believe with all my heart you are missing out on what God has intended for you in this community, for what God intends to do in your life, because church is realized the value when we're involved in both sides of that coin. And you know what? In this church, there is a lot that you can be getting on with. I quickly jumped onto your Facebook page and stole a few of your pictures. I hope you don't mind. Um, But for me, looking at this, what this tells me is that you can get involved in global social justice in this church. You can get involved in local social justice. There is men's stuff. There is women's stuff. There is kids' stuff. There is youth stuff. There is events, and there is community here. There is discipling. There is enough for you to get involved in, for you to find the thing that you want to be involved in. You don't need to be involved in it all, but there is something here, and I'm sure there's more than than just that. There is something there for you to get involved in. I know you're all looking to see if you can see yourself in the picture now. (laughs) You know, I think the that passage, in my Bible, the heading is the believers form a community. That's what it says in Acts. But I believe that the formation of the church there shows us what it means to be planted in church and the benefits to your life and to the people around you. It was attractive to other people. The people that were involved in church were engaged in what the church was doing. And as a result, because they were doing things more than just on a Sunday, there was fellowship, God was adding to it. They were highly relational. It was like a big family who were mission-focused. And here's, I'm going to finish with this last thing. Imagine, this is one of the things we talk about all the time, imagine if we all cared, if we all contributed, and we were all soul winners. Imagine what this church would look like. Let's just step through it real quick. If we were all soul winners, if we all brought someone next week to church, church doubles in size overnight. Amazing. But what about, how do we care for all these people? Well, that's okay, because there's no system. We don't just go, here you go, Aaron, all yours, go for it. 
There's no system that deals with that. But if we all care, then we can look after these people. And hey, we'll need more teams, we'll need more events, we'll need more life groups. It's okay because we all contribute. So it's all, all done. We're not designed to do life alone. You are not designed to do life alone. We are made in His image and He is a relational being. And you know what? You're not made or designed to do life without God and His church. You cannot separate the two of them. You can't say, oh, I love God, don't like His church. Can't find that anywhere in Scripture. We are not designed that way. So I encourage you, if you're not already plugged in, plug in, get planted. If you are, keep going, keep going. Plant yourself, let your roots go down deep so that you can provide shade and fruit for those who need it. My time is up. Um,